Thank you for listening to Fellowshipping with Jesus weekly podcast. May this be a time for you to set aside from the cares of this world and to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Go to Acts chapter number one. The book of Acts chapter number one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but, and here's the words of Jesus, wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in his own power. Let's read verse 8 together. Ready? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And I'll read verse 9. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you'll help us to have understanding of the things that we read. Lord, may we apply them to our lives today. And Lord, help us, Father, to trust in thee and have faith in God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles, and we're going to go to several places today. Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter 6. Jesus said, a little phrase, that in the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming son of man be. So let's go back and look at the days of Noah. Genesis chapter number 6. The Bible says that it came past when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and they, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man, 
that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. I'm going to take a pause right there. Usually I read on, but I'm going to take a pause. Can you imagine, can you think of a more powerful verse than that? I'm sure there's some, but that's a powerful verse. Let's look at that again. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I will not, um, to, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for repenteth me that I have made them. All is doom. All is over. Man has grown to a place in his mind that he's wicked only continually. His imaginations, his thoughts, his intents are nothing but evil, nothing but wrong. There's no good thing within them. The Bible says that God saw the wickedness. They're, these are not just things that were just in the hearts, but these are also actions. And if I were to even begin to describe to you the things that were going on in this chapter, I would have to go to 2 Timothy. We're going to go there a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And the list that you find in 2 Timothy 3 is pretty much what was going on on the face of the earth at that time. There really, really was no king. There really was no law. They were pretty much going on whatever they had learned from their father and grandfather and great-grandfathers that led all the way to Adam, which was only a couple generations. If you read the uh, chapter number 5, you see the generations of Adam all the way down to Noah. And uh, these generations, some of them lived to be 969 years. So many of these men, even, even up to, uh, I think it was Noah's daddy, would have been uh, alive when... Adam was still alive. So they all were living a long time. They all taught each other the things that had happened. But also these sons of, of uh, these, uh, the Bible says the sons of God and these, these, these giants were in the earth and they came and they had daughters. So they're multiplying in the earth and the wickedness and the evil is just continually growing. Kind of like today. And God said, I, I, I'm, I'm turning back. That means repentance. Repent means to turn back. He says, I'm turning back from the very thought that I've even created this. I often hear people say, how can God let people die? How can God let there be war? How did God, how, how does God send his, his when in the Old Testament time, how did he send the nations to Utterly destroy men, women, and children in a city. How could he? How could he justify that? I will tell you how he justifies that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's right. Every one of us deserves to die right the second. And God has a righteous uh, motive to take anybody's life in this world. Why? Because we've all sinned. It's by his grace and mercy that he doesn't take our lives today. The Lord said, I'm going to destroy man. Somebody said, why would God destroy something he created? Because what he created had turned their heart against him. God had not created this world to be destroyed. He created it to be enjoyed. 
He gave us food. He gave us a garden. He gave us the trees of the world to, to feed off of, except for one, and that's the one that we ate of. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But just as Romans 6 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have in verse number 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And hallelujah, he did, or none of us would be here. Now, in the book of Acts, the disciples are asking Jesus, when are you going to bring in the kingdom? He says, he said, Lord, without at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said, it's not for you to know the times of the season, which the Father put in his own power. But he said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to other part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, I beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received my other sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by the white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So then they return to Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost comes down, fills each one of them. He gives them the ability to preach, not just preach in their own language, but when they preach their language, anybody in their language hears in their language, and that's the gift of tongues there. And they go forth preaching, and the word is spread to the uttermost part of the earth in just a matter of days. Most people think it took years to do, but all those people that had come to Jerusalem for that time, when they heard the words of the apostles, and they heard in their own languages that the apostles were preaching their own, these people heard in theirs, and these people heard in theirs, they traveled back to their own cities, and their own, own towns, and their own countries, and they took those back, and today, there are cultures around the world that have a flood uh, legend. The Chinese have a legend about a man in a boat who saved the animals. There's people around the world who have legends of a flood, a worldwide flood. Somebody built a boat and saved the people that were in it. And even some of them still have um, names of their cities and countries named after them. There's a city, some I think it's in Turkey, that's named after the number eight. And their language is named eight because eight people got off the boat. It's still that name today. Genesis chapter number 6 and the flood of Genesis chapter 6 that we're going to see, it left a mark on this earth. Why, if you go to the Grand Canyon, some people say, oh, look at, look at this Grand Canyon. Look at what that little river did to this Grand Canyon. If that little river did that, I would expect it to be really, really wide, but not that deep. But since it's not as wide as it would be, and it's for a relatively size, it's narrow... It's not, but to us it's huge. But really, in comparison to the little river, but what that's a rushing amount of water that went through there. Uh, when Mount uh, St. Helens erupted, and, and the, that, that flow down the river, that mountainside, and it, it carved canyons that never were before. And they said canyons that are so deep that men would think it would take thousands of years to make. Maybe just a day. But in a, the account of Genesis... You have wicked men and evil seducers waxing worse and worse. You have the thoughts of the imagination, every imagination of thoughts, evil continually. And God said, I'm going to destroy it, but I'm going to provide a way of escape. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The disciples are wondering, well, when are you going to bring in the kingdom? 
Here was, here's what was happening for the disciples. The Romans were in charge. They were in power. But they allowed the Jews to have their own leaders. But even though those leaders could do things, they were still under Roman control. Why Israelites didn't have much of freedom at all. In fact, if a Roman soldier was walking down the street and you had to be on the same street, whatever he was carrying, he could tell you to carry it for a mile for him. And you had to do it by law. How would you like to have that today? How would you like to have some city official be uh, walking down the street and carrying some books and say, Hey, you, take these books and carry them for me a mile. He said, that would be ridiculous. How can they make us do that? You know what Jesus told them to do? Carry it an extra mile. He said, whatever they compel me to do, do it once more. Go the second mile. That's where we get the whole second mile idea. You go what you do what's required, and you go above and beyond what's required, and you do the extra. And these disciples are like, when are you going to get rid of this oppression for us, Lord? I thought you come to this to take over. I thought you came to get rid of this oppression. I thought you came to get rid of this persecution. I thought you came to get rid of the problems so we can have freedoms and, 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 and have ease of life. I thought we were going to have comforts. I thought we were going to have pleasures. I thought this was a land of flowing with milk, milk and honey. But what are you doing, Lord? You've died and now you've risen again. And, 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 and you've been walking around for 40 days. What, what are you going to do next? Is it the kingdom? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. He didn't say you won't know. He said he didn't say they wouldn't be possible to be known. He said you don't need to know. He said it's not for you to know them. Why is it not needed for us to know the times and the seasons? Because what he told us to do. Did no one know when the rain was going to come? <clears throat> look at look at uh, chapter six, look at verse nine. These are generation Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Are you walking with God? Are we walking with God? Sure we are. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was full of violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way. Verse 13. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come upon me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make uh, in the ark, and shalt pitch it within without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of 50 cubits, the height of 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make for the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou, shalt thou set in the side thereof. With lower second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. Thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, to every sort shall thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls of their kind, of cattle of their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth of this kind, to every sort shall come unto thee, to keep them alive. And thou take thou unto thee all food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather to thee, and thou shalt be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah. It's a good thing he did. And according to all that God commanded him, so did he. What did the disciples, what did Jesus tell the disciples? They're in Acts chapter number one. 
He says this. Unto the day of Jesus taking the Holy Ghost, given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus commanded them to wait for the promise and that he was going to give the Holy Ghost and that they're going to be witnesses. What was Noah's command? Noah's command was to build a boat and get the animals in and then get your family in. No questions. That's your job. That's your command, Noah. What were the commands for the apostles? To be witnesses unto Jesus, unto Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other most part of the earth. Not to worry about the times and the seasons, but go and be witnesses. What was Noah's job? Go and build a boat. But it's never rained before. Yeah, but go and build a boat. <laughs> he take, Noah takes him on the boat, and the rains come, 600 years in Noah's life. Verse number 11, chapter 7 of Genesis. The seventh day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the self same day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and the son Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, of the cattle and the creeping upon his earth. Verse 15. They went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, went in male and female, all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and water increased, and we know the outcome of that. Now, this is where I always tell you, put yourself in these positions. Noah was a hundred, he was six hundred years old. Six hundred. In 600 years of his life, he'd never seen a drop of water fall from the sky. The Bible said it never rained on earth. Why was Noah building a boat? Because God said there's coming a flood. A flood of what? Water. How? It's never rained before. It doesn't matter. It's coming because God said it. Jesus tells them to go and preach the gospel, and then he sends up to heaven. And then the angels tell them, you need to go and do what he said, because he's going to come in like manner. As you've seen him go, he's going to come again, just like this. There's coming a day when all of man on earth is going to face their doom. But God has provided a way of safety to avoid that day of doom. And it's called Jesus Christ. Noah built that boat. He, he worked 120 years building that boat. 120 years. I've only been alive for 36. I can't imagine for 36 years I have been building a boat. I don't know if it takes 120 years to build a boat. I don't know. I don't know if it took him three days. I don't know if it took him three years. I don't know if it took him three decades. I have no idea how long it took the boat. But let's just for imagination's sake, let's say it took 50 years to build that boat. Get all the wood, get all the pitch, get all the, the nails and everything else, whatever you're going to use to build that boat. Suppose it took 50 years to build the boat. Can you imagine after the first year? Well, we've got 50 trees. 
got to go get 50 more. We got to dig up the dirt and find the pitch. By the way, pitch is like a tar and stuff. It's like a slime and all this kind of stuff. I mean, th these were not dumb people back then. They, they had technology. They had tools. They had abilities. And, and, and they have all these things together. But all the while, your friends and family say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building a boat. Why? <laughs> There's no water for 50 miles up here. Why are you building a boat? Well, God says it's going to rain. Ah, yeah, right. <laughs> like it's never rained before. Yeah, but God said it. But I, God didn't tell me that. It doesn't matter. I mean, God, God told me, and, and, and he told me to build this boat and, and to get my family on board and get the animals on board. Animals? How are you going to get animals? Can you hear the conversation of his neighbors? Can you hear the questions of the family? And just, just, just being funny, can you imagine Noah and his, his I mean, what was his mother-in-law thinking? For my, my daughter married that crazy man out there? Building a boat in the middle of nowhere. Can, couldn't you find a better man to marry? Can you imagine the days that made, listen, we're, we're talking about a man here. Can you imagine days of, of hot sweat and tears and, and, and maybe injuries? You know, maybe you're building something and hits a snuff. Why, why am I doing this? Why am I going through all this torture? And I, I don't know. I don't know, but I can imagine could it was anything like today, you know? Maybe uh, Noah's wife. I just imagine Noah's wife is named Martha. I don't know why. Noah and Martha. Martha, why am I building this boat? It's been 100 years now, and there's nothing, not even a drop of rain. And I hear her say, honey, it's what God told you to do. You need to be faithful doing it, honey. I'm right here for you. Do you know how many years Jesus has been gone from this earth? 2,000 some years. What did he tell us to do when he left? To be witnesses of him wherever we are. Whether we're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. Wherever we're, we're to be witnesses. And also it's not for us to know the times and the seasons. By the way, did you read there where it says in the 600th year of Noah... They entered into the boat. The, the waters of the fountain broke forth and the rain started falling from heaven. And that same day, they entered the boat. The day they entered the boat is when they saw the doom coming. And my friends, I have no idea when the Lord's going to come back for his children. I have no idea when he's going to come back for the church. But I know as soon as he does, the tribulation is going to start. And if I'm understanding the Bible and I believe it, it looks like maybe about three and a half years of peace and harmony. And then it looks like three and a half years of just absolute terror, on the, like, the, like a days no man's ever seen on this planet. And I don't know about you, but I have a feeling, even though it's not for us to know the times of the season, I think we're going to be able to see some things starting to happen. I think we're going to start seeing the floods coming. I think we're going to start seeing the rain start to fall. And the message is still the same when Noah cut down the first tree. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. And the message has been the same since Jesus left this earth. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He's the only way. 
And the message was preached for 120 years. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Noah preached the gospel. He, he, he compelled people. He, that's what he was doing. He called, they called him the preacher. And though we haven't had preachers to live 120 years long, we've had preachers in the past 120 years that keep telling people, get in Christ. Get in Christ. Have faith in God. Trust in Jesus. You can't do it. Only he can do it. Noah couldn't build another boat that he wanted to build. He had to build the one God told him to build. God had specifics. God had requirements. And he had to meet those requirements. There was no other way. Noah could not have made it one cubit longer or one cubit shorter. It wouldn't have been according to God's command. And God commanded us to go and be witnesses. He didn't say go and witness. He said go and be witnesses. You can't do something unless you are something. I can dribble a basketball. Does that make me a basketball player? No. But if I'm a basketball player and I never dribble a basket, am I a basketball player? Dribble a basket, dribble a ball. You get what I'm saying? If, if we are going to go and witness, we must be the witness. So in our hearts, we need to understand, are the times and seasons looking like the end is coming? Yes. Just like Noah saw the rain coming. But then he said, oh, the rain's coming. What are we going to do? No. He was right, at the, right, right when he was ready to get on that boat. Here comes the rain. And he says, all right, Martha get, you know, Martha, get on board. Boys, get on board. Daughter-in-laws, get on board. You're the only ones that are coming. I wonder how many times Noah looked at his wife and said, hey, no one's believing us. I wonder how many times his sons looked at the father and said, father, are you sure this works? I mean, nobody else is. Is this just us? Well, yeah, maybe it's just us. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in this room right now. Boy, I just got chills thinking about that. There's more people here, but just in this room, there's eight. If one more soul walks down that aisle, it's worth every minute. It's worth every day. It's worth every year. It's worth every decade. It's not about numbers. It's not about what's going to happen. It's not about what's happening already. It's about get in the boat. Are you in the boat? Then start yelling, come on in, come on in. The rains are coming. The floods are coming. Get on board. The time's running out. You've got to get on board. You can't be outside. You can't be hanging on the side. There's no other way. You've got to come in the door. And for centuries, men have preached behind pulpits. They preached in the wildernesses. They preached on the street corners. They preached in the, in the, on the rafters. They preached all over the planet and all over this world saying, you must believe in Christ for salvation. When's it going to rain? I don't know, but just get in the boat. When is the Lord coming back? I don't know, but just trust him. Bible says in Acts chapter number one, he, the angel said, "Ye men of Galilee, why stay me gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven." 
The Lord's going to come back for the church in the clouds. He'll take us up to heaven and we'll receive our rewards and have a marriage and then have a marriage feast. While we're doing that here on earth, the tribulation time, and after that tribulation time, Jesus is going to set his foot back down on that mountain all just like he left from here. There's going to be about six, seven years of things happening on this earth that's absolutely nothing but destruction. Death and, I mean, just the, the, the turmoil that's going to be on this planet is something you don't even want to think about, let alone look at. I want to be in Jesus so when he comes, I go up with him and I'm, I just go over top of everything. And then when I come back down, it's a brand new place. A thousand years of peace. Jesus is on the throne. And all death and destruction is gone. And it's all pleasure. It's a brand new world. Guess what Noah did? He got in the boat. And it took a couple days for that boat to start to float. You say, how long do we need to be saved? How long, how long, when, when are we going to go to heaven? I don't know, but we need to be ready for it. Well, the rains are starting to fall, and, and the world's starting to get worse and worse. Yeah, but are you in the boat? Yeah, okay, well, you're safe. But we're not moving yet. We're not going up yet. That's okay. You realize it took some time. The rains were falling, and the floods were coming as they were in the boat, and they're hearing the water splashing up against the boat. They might hear people pounding on the door. And they hear all the horrible sounds outside going on, but they're safe in the boat. I'm in Christ, you're in Christ, and we can hear the waters raging. We can hear the storms are coming. We can hear people pounding in. They want to know what's the reason, what's going on. They want to know why is this happening and why is that happening. Well, it's the time of destruction. But one day this boat is going to lift up off the ground. And just as they were in that boat, and that boat started to lift up, they were on top of the water underneath with nothing but destruction. Underneath of nothing but death and destruction, but they were far above all that stuff, just floating right over it. Just like you and I, one day, this boat is going to rise. We're going to be far above all that death and destruction. We're just going to enjoy a time with Jesus Christ and God and all the angels and all the saints and just as that boat, when the, when the death and destruction was over, that boat set back down as the water came down. They sat on that boat. When that boat door opened, all death and all destruction was gone. The brand new earth, peace, birds were chirping. because Some of them had already left the boat and animals were starting to go their ways. And, and God made a covenant saying, I'm never going to flood the earth with water again. Put the rainbow in the sky. He blessed them and they made an altar to God and they sacrificed. And, and of course, we know the end of that story from there till now. Look where we've come. Can you imagine being on the ark and hearing the sounds on the outside of the ark? Can you imagine hearing the cries of the people who are crying because they're, 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 they're in the process of drowning? Can you imagine the sounds of that wooden boat creaking and moaning as it's being lifted up off that water, off earth with that water? Can you imagine when the, the waves are moving that boat back and forth and 
and it, it's getting kind of topsy-turvy and maybe the boat is spinning a little bit and, and, at, and at times you just wonder what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Everything God had planned is going on. And folks, you and I, I I've been saved since I was age nine. I've been in the boat for a long time. Let me say this. This boat gets rocking sometimes. The waves beat and the waves start pushing around. But let me tell you this. I know I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. Amen. I don't have to fear the storm. I don't have to fear this. What I do need to do is this. And here's the difference. When that door was shut and that boat started to go up, it was too late. There's coming a day when the church of God is gone from this planet and it'll be too late. They will have to get through that flood. They'll have to get through that tribulation by themselves. I want to be on the boat. I'm in the boat. But as of right now, the door is still open. The door of our boat is still open. Jesus has not come back to the church yet. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, very quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's get some New Testament reference here, and then we'll close out. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Are you on the boat? I hope you are. Are you in Christ? Have you trusted Christ? I hope you are. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Y'all there? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. This know also. Now, the John, didn't Jesus tell him it's not for them to know the times or the seasons? Okay? But then he tells Timothy, because Jesus wrote the Bible, God wrote the Bible. He says, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be, let's, let's make a checklist. See if this is not our world today. Okay? Let's make a checklist. Put a check mark next to everything you say is going on today. Right? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Check. Covetous. Check. Boasters. Check. Proud. Blasphemers. Check, check. Disobedient to parents. Check, 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 check. <laughs> Unthankful. Big check. What do you mean I'm thankful? Well, we give one whole day to give thanks to God for everything, and then we go up the next day and buy everything we want and think we need. How <laughs> thankful is that? Check. Unholy. Check. Without natural affection. Big check. That's men with men, women with women, working as unseemly, as Romans says. Truth breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Big check right there. You're seeing that even in his own country right now. Traitors. There's traitors everywhere. Heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Why are we that way? Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. What does that mean? When he says turn away, he says... Get your attention off of that. Why? It's coming. In perilous times, these things will come. These things have come because this is perilous times. He said, you turn away from that. 
Get your eyes off that. Turn away. Turn it off. Turn it away. Get it out of your sight. He said, for these are sort that they creep in the houses. They leave captive silly women lay with sins. And they lead away with diverse lusts. They're ever learning. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse number 9. But they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men. And as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Paul was talking to Timothy and said, listen, you know my doctrine. You know what I've taught you, Paul. Paul says, Timothy, you know what I've taught you. You know my doctrine. Hey, look, you know our doctrine. Our doctrine's right here. This book right here. That's our doctrine, okay? Then he says, uh, you have known my doctrine. You've known my manner of life. What is Paul's manner of life? Preaching the gospel. What has been our manner of life? Now, I know y'all have... You all have jobs, you all have professions, but as a Christian, what is our manner of life? To tell others about Christ. He said, you know my doctrine, know my manner of life. He said, you know my purpose. What is our purpose? To preach Christ, crucified, risen again. If you want the answer, look at verse number one of chapter four. Here's our purpose. I charge you for God and Lord Jesus Christ who shall declare that verse two, preach the word. That's our purpose is to preach the word, folks. Look back at verse number 10 again, chapter three. That was not my, my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. He said, you know, my faith. Who has Paul put his faith in? Jesus Christ. Then he says this. You have known my long suffering. Long suffering is, flip the word around, suffering long. We've been suffering a long time. You know my charity. You know my patience. You know my persecutions and my afflictions. Which came at me in Antioch. Verse 3, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What kind of persecution do you think Noah had? <laughs> I bet you got persecuted a lot. Can you imagine that? Building this boat in the middle of nowhere. Didn't matter. He was building because God told him to. Why did Paul keep preaching though he was in prison? Look at verse number 13. But evil man seducers and shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Listen. <laughs> Noah built the boat. Guess what was happening while Noah was building that boat? The men were getting more wicked continually. Noah didn't stop and say, hey, y'all need to stop getting wicked. Hey, you need to stop being wicked. Hey, you need to stop being wicked. No, he just kept building the boat. Why? He knew all that was going to keep going on. The only thing that was going to make a difference was building a boat. And this morning, the only difference going to make in this perilous times is if we are, verse number 14, if we continue in the things which we have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What do we do as the world is getting worse? What do we do as the perilous times are coming? What do we do as evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse? What do we do? We turn away from that. We turn to our purpose. We turn to our faith. We turn to our, our afflictions. We turn to our charity. We turn to what we have been taught as a child. That from the Holy Scriptures we have learned that Jesus Christ is the one who gives us salvation through faith. Not works. Through faith in him. And this is the assurance that we have, verse number 16. We have this assurance that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect through a furnish under all good works. You say, I can't be perfect. I'm, not, I'm a sinner. No, that's not what I'm talking about. 
You can be perfect. You can be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me ask you this. Does anybody make you sin? Ever? You always choose to sin. It's easier choice sometimes than other choices, but we always choose. Even in your thought, you say, how can I, sometimes a thought just pops my head. The Bible says to capture that thought and give it to Christ. So we can choose. How do we become profitable? How do we become perfect unto God? How do we do this? His scripture. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling yourselves at some hour, but even so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. Is the day of the Lord approaching? Yes. Is evil man's loose to wax and wax, waxing worse and worse? Yes. Are perilous times come? Yes. Are there things going on in this world like this list here? Yes. Same thing as in Noah's day. All that was going on, but Noah kept building the boat. All the stuff's going on nowadays. Are we going to worry about it? No. Are we going to try to fight it? No. Are we going to try to stand up against it? No. What are we told to do? Wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And the only thing I can do to fight Satan and to fight his forces is to preach the word. What is it that Satan trying to do today? Get people to stop preaching the word. How does he do it? By changing scripture or telling you that all scripture is not given of God. Listen, I've got preacher friends that used to be close friends and they have been turned from the truth because they believe some other book is the word of God. They don't believe that this is the word of God anymore. Men and women growing up in churches that used to preach, well, I should say this, they would say this is the word of God, but all they would preach is dresses and not gambling and not going to movies. They never got into the word of God and taught the people and preached to the people the things of God's word. They, they taught and preached what would keep them there so the money keep flowing in to have the big fat buildings and, and the, the paychecks and everything else coming in because if the money's coming in, then God is blessing But it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about fortune. Noah didn't get paid one dime to build that boat. But it saved him his life. I don't preach to be popular. I don't preach for money. I'm telling you, I stand up here and I preach the word of God so people can understand that there's a storm coming. The rains are falling. The floods are rising. And you've got to be in the boat. You must trust in Jesus Christ. There's not a thing you can do to save yourself but to be in the boat. There's nothing we can do today but to be wise in the salvation through faith is in Christ Jesus. We need more scripture. We need more church. We need more God's people standing and telling the truth. Instead of scaring everybody with everything that's going on and trying to get people scared out of their minds. And if you just send $1,000, God will give you $10,000. And all that kind of mess that's out there on TV and radio and internet. We need more holy word. We need more of all scripture. We need more of the Holy Ghost. We need more witnesses to say, no, the things of the world are going worse and getting worse and getting worse. I'm in Christ. I am safe. And you can come in too. I'm convicted of these things. In chapter 4 of verse. Uh, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Look at verse number. 
to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Nobody wants to hear the word anymore. You know, you know there used to be a day in this country that there wouldn't be a thing open on Sundays except for a church. And now there's things open all over the place except for churches. Oh, well, the government says, well, we may not be able to be here, but hello. They will not endure sound of but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, teachers, teachers. Okay. You know, you know when something makes you sick, you go, Read on things because it just it's nasty. Whenever I hear a preacher say, "I just want to share a thought," I just want to I want to share I want to just give you a thought today. I just like turn it off. I don't want a thought. I don't want you to teach me something. I want to be reproved in verse number two. I need to be rebuked. Why? Because I'm a sinner. And then I need to be exhorted. Two-thirds of preaching is negative preaching. Reprove means to point out the wrong. Rebuke means to tell them that they are wrong. And, re and, and exhort is to show them how to get right. And you do it with all long suffering. Not beating everybody over the head with it. And you do it with doctrine. That's with the word of God. If it's not in the word, you don't preach it. I don't care what you dreamed last night. Jesus told you. He didn't tell you. That wasn't Jesus. That was the pizza you ate. That was that taco you had at 1030. That wasn't Jesus in a dream. I hear people all the time and people on Facebook. Well, God spoke to me in the dream. No, he did not. He didn't say preach your dreams. He didn't say preach your thoughts. He didn't say give us something that you feel like the people need for the day. He said preach the word. But he said they're not going to endure it. They're not going to give time. They're not, they're not going to sit through it. They're not going to give time to it. They're not going to endure it. They just want teachers. Some of them teach them something. And all it's going to do is itch their ears. Make them feel good. You know, uh, if, if, you, if, if you have a, a child or something that's crying, you know, if you just, if you take your finger, watch this. If you take your finger and you run on their ears just like this, just on the outside of the ear like that. After a while, that, you'll see that baby's eyes or something. Clothes and for long he'll just go right to sleep. There's something about tickling the ear that calms them, puts them to sleep. And that's what people do. They go to a place, usually no church is on the name. There's no church on the name. It's either the bridge or the rock or the, the tree or something like that. And when you get in there, it's just, you're so good and God just loves you. If you just trust him and all your destinies and all your dreams will come true and you'll have a thousand dollars in the bank on Monday. And you're so good. You're so wonderful. And everybody thinks, ah, feels good. Believe it or not, when I have an illness, if I have a sickness, if I have something broken, if I have a serious thing, it's going to take surgery. It's going to take some pain. It's going to take some suffering. But it's going to take that to get that thing out of there and then it's going to feel a lot better after. He says in verse number four, and they that turn away their ears from the truth, they shall be turned into fables. But watch thou, but watch thou. He said, now you, you need to watch. In all things, endure afflictions. 
Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. Listen, folks. Our time of departure is at hand. I don't need to be worrying about the tickling ears. I don't need to be concerned about the guys out there who are preaching things that are not of the word. They're just fables. They're just telling stories. He just said, don't tell stories. <laughs> you preach the word. As long as you're doing that, people are going to hear it. Some are going to trust it. Some are not. Your job is not to worry about who does and not to worry about who doesn't. Your job is to build a boat. We're building a boat. There's been other people working on this boat. I picked up the job of building this boat when I was 11 years old. I prayed and I said, Lord, I want to be in the ministry of God. I want you to use me however you need to use me. That same year, I started piano lessons. About a year after that, I started playing uh, piano in church and playing for church music. And honestly, I really don't remember any time I've played the piano for anything but church. I've never done a concert other than just in church. I've never done a singing I've never done, I mean, I've I, I played like, you know, happy birthday and stuff like that. But I, I've tried my best to be used of God. Why? I just want to do everything I can for him. Then growing up and learning how to preach and studying God's word and going to Bible college, all that kind of stuff. I, I slowly learned how to, how to take the Bible. I have, I have a talent for taking apart a puzzle or, or looking at a puzzle and finding all the pieces and putting it together and making a picture. Um, God gave me a talent to take paint on a, on a palette and take the paint to a canvas and make a beautiful picture out of it. It's just something God's given to me. And when I come to the Word of God, I see just a bunch of colors. And I say, oh, let's try that color here and let's try that color over here. And it's a beautiful picture. I'm using my talents. I'm using my gifts that God has given me to proclaim the gospel, to preach the truth, and tell people you must be in the boat. If it was about me, I wouldn't be here. I'd be out in the world somewhere doing something the world does with all this stuff. I'd be a professional artist. I'd be a professional singer. I'd be a comedian. I don't know what I would be out here in the world, but that's not the part. That's not building a boat. That's playing in the world. I'm dedicating my life because people before me have dedicated their lives to building this church and building the body of Christ. And so I've taken up the mantle and I've been doing this as long as I can. And I'll keep doing this as long as I can. Why? Because there's nothing in this world that matters more than being saved by faith in Jesus Christ. As long as I have a breath, I'll preach. As long as I'm able to stand, I'll stand for it. Is it always easy? No. Are there bad days? Yes. I quit every Monday. I do. Every Monday I quit preaching. Every Monday I quit pastoring. Every Monday I quit gospel music. Every Monday I quit. Why? I don't know. It's just a curse of being a preacher, I guess. But by the time Thursday comes around, Friday comes around, start feeling fired up again, start studying the Word of God again. That's why I make myself stay the Word of God on Mondays. I have to. That's why I make myself listen to preaching on Mondays. Why? Because I'm a man. I get weary. I get tired. And the Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. He said, lift up the hands which hang down in the weary knees. Make straight paths. Do the work of evangelists. 
Make full proof of thy ministry. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. I've never asked to preach anywhere. And I've never turned down a place to preach if I've been asked. We need more people like this. May God's people realize we're building a boat. And the door is about to shut. I can hear the rumble of thunder. I can feel the mist of rain. The Lord's coming back very soon. Noah may have said that at 110 years into working at 10 more years ago. Folks, we may have 10 more years of this. But he's closer to coming today than he was 10 years ago. He could come today. He could come in the clouds today. I'm looking forward to that day. And what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face. I tell you, when he takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. What a day, what a day, what a day, what a day that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that day. But until then, we're going to preach the word. We're going to build a boat. I think the boat's built. I think God's waiting for people to get on board. And he needs us to tell, tell people, get in Christ. Trust in Christ. Believe in Christ. Let me, let me say this one more time. That boat was a place of safety. It was a place of rest. Jesus Christ is a place of safety. Jesus Christ is a place of rest. Not a brother. Not a sister. Not another man. Not a, not a substance. Not some other place. Is Jesus Christ. How can we go into the uttermost part of the earth and preach Christ if we are not witnesses? If we're worried about the storms around us, if we're worried about the perilous times, if all we can do is keep our eyes on the peril, keep our eyes on the peril, you're going to get discouraged, you're going to get downhearted, and you're going to quit. You're going to lose, you're going to, you're going to put down your weapons of warfare, you're going to put down your shield, you're going to put down the sword, and before long Satan's going to hurl the fiery darts at you, you're going to be wounded for Christ, and you're not going to be affected for Christ as you could have been. We need to get the sword of the Lord and we need to get the shield of, of that, that shield uh, of faith up against us and, and say, I don't know what God's going to do, but I believe, I believe, I believe it. By faith, I believe that shield of faith. When all that stuff, all those peril comes at us, we shield ourselves with faith. And then we use a sword to fight against the wild of the devil. Amen? Thank you for listening to Fellowshipping with Jesus weekly podcast. May this be a time for you to set aside from the cares of this world and to come and sit at the feet of Jesus.